Bosh moi. Hey everybody, Mark T here. That's my whole bit was just saying the one Russian thing that honestly I learned from Star Trek, but is in this movie too. I'm Mark D, IT guy, dad, shitty movie nerd, doesn't know shit about Russian nerd. Uh, I don't, I don't know that you could be a nerd for not knowing something. I think that you'd just be a fucking, uh, not going to get into it. I have feelings. I have feelings right now. I have a lot of feelings. I am a tempest of feelings. That's a bad choice of words. There's, you know, some really, really bad stuff going on right now. And yeah, Hurricane Laura is about to make landfall or is making landfall, I would assume, in Louisiana right now. And that's going to be a really, really, really bad scene for a lot of people. I fully expect there to be hurricane relief funds. I will be donating. I, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't know. And I record these, I'm, I'm about two days ahead on these. So that's why you're hearing this now and you didn't hear about it last episode because I'm, I'm ahead. So I'm going to be able to, to sleep and, and things like that. But Yeah, every hurricane that that misses us, that misses me, that misses my family, and goes and fucks up a bunch of other people, I don't... Yeah, I don't know what to do. I, I feel guilty. Is that survivor's guilt? Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how any of this works. There's there's stuff going on in uh, Kenosha, obviously, and it's it's really bad, too. It's especially bad. It's It's hit a new peak. Actually, I think just last night, maybe the night before last, but I believe it was last night. Like, I thought we'd seen the worst of it, and it, it got worse, so. Yeah, I'm not feeling my normal, jaunty self. So it, it kind of made sense that when I ran the script to tell me which of the, the final two movies, I believe it's two. If not, I, I completely missed one, and I'll, I'll, I'll find out. But I believe I only had two movies left. You know what? Let me grab the the case and check it. So, I've done Blazing Saddles, Silent Movie, High Anxiety, History of the World, To Be or Not To Be, Spaceballs, and Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah, so I'm good. So, two movies left. Obviously, this one is The Twelve Chairs, because that's the name of the episode. If you auto-cued it up because you just you want to listen to me every chance you get, thank you. Apriya. Appreciate ya. That's really nice. So, this is the 12 chairs. So, maybe in the state of mind, the current state of things, it's more appropriate to do a kind of post-revolution Soviet Russian goofball comedy from 1970. Who who wrote and directed this? I want to say it's Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks, right? Uh, director, Mel Brooks. And Mel Brooks wrote the screenplay. This is a novel adaptation, right? This is an adaptation of a Russian novel, and I imagine it to be very, very, very sad and depressing. But interestingly enough, there is, um, okay, let me, where, where shall I begin? In doing this Mel Brooks marathon, I just, you know, 
glanced at his Wikipedia and stuff like that, just trying to get a feel for for what to talk about. His parents were, uh, I, I, I don't remember which, but one of them was roughly from Poland and the other one roughly from uh, Russia or Ukraine. So he's he's kind of qualified, you know, a bit to, to, to be in this, to be in this space, to really perform in this area. And he does have a small part in the movie and it's really weird and it's kind of gay. So I don't know if that's the origin of all the gay jokes or, or what, you know, but... I don't think they would have done too many gay jokes on Get Smart. Mel Brooks uh, wrote Get Smart, the uh, TV show. Created it, I think, even. I love the movie. But anyway, not what we're talking about. We're talking about The Twelve Chairs, 1970. Okay. Literally, the only name that... that will, the two names, obviously, because I've seen Dom DeLuise in fucking nine movies. Or eight. I don't think he's in Young Frankenstein, but he fucking might be. He probably is somewhere. I haven't seen that movie in forever, but that'll be the next one. The next episode is Young Frankenstein, obviously, by process of elimination. Frank Langella is a name that comes up a lot, and I believe he played Skeletor in some shit, and I don't, I don't care. I don't give a fuck, but dude has such a presence a young frank langella holy shit like i was like oh no he's way too attractive for this movie so that gave me a really a really weird vibe that gave me kind of a deja vu i got caught up in robert ludlum books for a long time well not for a long time but for a bit but i, I read like 20 of them you know and Robert Ludlum had this archetype of the 40, mid-40s athletic, I could still run a marathon, graying at the temples, full head of hair, perfect skin, blue eyes, blazing white teeth, a uh, well-to-do businessman. That was Robert Ludlum's fucking archetype. Like, if it was some type of fucking wish fulfillment and... They were in every book. Every book is basically the same in my mind because they're all that, except for the Bourne ones. The David Bourne ones, he's a 35-ish professor that speaks 95 languages and can kill you with 18 different objects in the room. Um, that kind of thing. Same deal. Runs a marathon. He's a marathon runner as well. Robert Ludlum, not really a marathon runner if you ever, if you ever see him. But... Uh, Ostap Bender, played by Frank Langella, gives me the vibe, not really quite of that, but more of, I didn't, I didn't read any of the Jack Reacher books, but I would imagine that Jack Reacher's kind of similar, because I think that the whole thing about Jack Reacher is that he's just kind of going around being like a one-man A-team, six foot five, military, blah, 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 right? And Frank Langella's character, well, Frank Langella's a very tall man, very slender you know, olive skin, tawny eyes. It's very, it, 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 it's a presence to be experienced, really. I sound like crap. I, I think it's actually the humidity in my house. Uh, I think it's too dry. And when the air conditioner has been running all day, it really gets to me. It gets to my sinuses. I get this weird congestion. But Frank Langella's voice is also just one of the best. It is super nice. So that's just making me self-conscious. I feel more like Mel Brooks 
who did like a, a Tom Hardy role where he just put on a, a fucking crazy voice for this movie. Yeah, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. But it feels more like airport fiction. Like, oh, stop, is this wandering, wander, wandering, not wandering. He doesn't really wander, but he wanders. And he just, he's kind of successful. He's probably betting all the ladies and doing all the things. It's like a Dirk Pitt. If you've ever read a Clive Cussler book, Dirk Pitt is this, um, you know, 14-year-old boy or 12-year-old boy even, kind of wish fulfillment. He lives in a, an aircraft hangar full of classic cars. And that is really cool, but I know that the part of me that's like, oh, that's fucking bitching. It's like, homie, if I lived in an airport, I would kill myself. But it's like, oh, he's never home anyway unless he's fucking a chick because he's off traveling the globe. And that's the same kind of vibe that I got from, um, I'll stop. So it's the same vibe. And this movie starts out really, really rocky. So actually, confession, I, I tried to watch it when I first, or when I first opened up the, the collection, I was like, let me just start at the beginning. What is 12 chairs? I don't know. I'll watch it. I saw, I got about four minutes in and I'm like, fuck this movie. However, I am doing a thing where I'm doing all the Mel Brooks movies in the Mel Brooks collection that I bought. And I sat through those four minutes. And I'm like, this movie fucking sucks. And it, it stays sucky for a bit. But the whole thing is that it has a very 60s vibe, right? So I've done a couple of movies on this podcast from the you know late 60s, early 70s. But there's a, a like a mid '60s, almost like pop movie concept or vibe. You know, like if you've seen Vanishing Point or Easy Rider or Two Lane Blacktop, those are art films. But they so much more resemble modern films of now, I guess, because they were so influential. So we're we're kind of uh, I don't know, you know, un uncooking the bread. We're we're the done bun can't be undone, but we're undoing the bun. And 2001, A Space Odyssey came out a year before this movie, but this movie feels like it's from a fucking ancient civilization on another planet that never discovered fucking fire in comparison. 2001 is like a movie to me, whereas this is like, what the fuck is this, an episode of the monkeys or something? And it's this very 60s um, movie thing, like, Okay, so I, I tried to watch Breakfast at Tiffany's one time, and I'm like, I fucking hate this movie, and it's fucking, is that white guy playing a Chinese guy? Like, holy shit, it's really awful, and this character's awful, and her whole life is fucking frivolous. Anyway, I didn't like Breakfast at Tiffany's. I didn't even finish watching it. I watched, like, 40 minutes of it, and I'm like, just, like, let's, let's change the channel. And it's the same vibe. It's this weird... And I say weird because I don't really know how to describe it, but it's the 60s feel of a movie where this movie, like, I wrote down, I think, at 22 minutes in, this movie still hasn't fucking started. It's just bullshit after bullshit after bullshit. Yeah, they've introduced characters, but the movie has not felt like it has happened yet. It's just been, like, garbage people just walking around and being like, oh, hello, person, and oh, hello, other person, and Mel Brooks hams it up in there too you know he's got to get his his screen time in so you know it's um it's pretty bad it's pretty bad for that like 22 to 24 minutes or whatever 
there's um there's a, a sped up like they really just sped up the fucking film fight kind of thing with Vorabianinov Vorabianinov I have to have to practice that I've actually never said that aloud Vorabianinov I've heard it obviously so I'm gonna assume that that's my memory and it's working well with um Vorabianinov fights with Father Fyodor over a chair right but it's like cranked up like high speed or whatever it's really fucking dumb and cheesy and it's like who is this for who found this funny as a child as my my three-year-old might laugh kind of thing like he might be like ah because he just fucking laughs at things like he just laughs at random shit he'll just see something that is there's no action nothing he'll just look and be like that's hilarious and just just laugh his ass off and that's that's what that felt like that that part of it but then I just I had to power through it right I'm like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fucking quit this movie sucks I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna have to roast it and then I kept watching and then slowly I realized oh no no I like this movie I think it was about the time where where Ostep is in the uh, Bureau of Documents or whatever the fuck and he tricks Father Fyodor and sends him off to Siberia I was like Wait a second, I like this movie. It's not shortly thereafter. The transition happened silently, but, you know, somewhat rapidly. My my tone shifted, and all of a sudden I was on board. I was just on board with the movie. It just, it took a long time, but I was on board. And, you know, I would assume that, that this movie has taken inspiration for others. I don't have, like, a whole lot of old-ass movie knowledge because... You know, again, my, my patience for that is l- not a lot. I don't have a lot of patience for old movie bullshit, as you can tell by me saying, hey, this movie fucking sucks for, you know, 25 minutes. But it doesn't suck. This movie does not suck. This movie is good. It either took a while to get rolling, or I took a while to warm up to it, or both. It could easily have been both. But there's, you know, all the archetypal Mel Brooks things. There's, well, not all of them. It's it's more serious. It's a little less goofy in tone. There's no, like, fantastical uh, realism. There's no, like, those logic jokes. The, those logic jokes don't exist yet. Mel Brooks has not subverted the the physics and the reality and the, the concept of reality just yet. But he's definitely well on his way. And that's... That's great, and it was actually it was a it was a fun little movie. It ends very Russian. It ends incredibly Russian, I would say. And I read a book by David Benioff, who um, this was before he worked on Game of Thrones. It's called City of Thieves, I believe. And I'm just gonna confirm that real real quick. Yeah, City of Thieves. And City of Thieves was a really really good book. I thought it's got great ratings. It's a four point six on Amazon, a four point three on Goodreads. I picked this up. I went to an actual bookstore. That's how long ago this was. I was in a Borders bookstore, I believe. And the, you know, the girl working behind the counter was like, I recommend this book, blah, 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 blah. And she was kind of cute. And I'm like, I'm buying it. And I'm all about books. I buy books like a motherfucker. I just haven't even read them. I have a stack of books next to me of various things, nonfiction and fiction, that I just haven't gotten to. The book is set in World War II and is a... an interesting tale of the version of how his grandparents met. 
And it was very, very, very beautiful, but also very sad. And this one ends in a similar way, but it's not a it's not a love affair, it's a bromance, if you will. But it it becomes that after a while, and it's very it's very interesting. But there's there's good jokes. It's a good movie. It's an actual it's a good movie. I I'm surprised to say that. I'm like I'm like Oprah, I love bread. I do love bread. But it's a it's a good movie. So that's just it's really interesting. Uh you know, not blowing anybody's socks off anywhere in terms of cinematography or special effects or anything like that. It's um it's very routine, I think would be the word for it, routine. Dom DeLuise is just f fucking clowning the whole movie. The guy's insane. That guy is just so out there. It's, it's, it's really great. And those are really the three fucking people. Everybody else is an extra in the movie. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I can almost guarantee you that there are movies that have been structured almost exactly like this since, and there probably were some before as well. And Mel Brooks did the the opening song. What is up with this guy in songs? This guy's fucking song and dance man all day. He loves that shit. I mean, you you do you, man. The Inquisition song is like the best shit ever. Men in Tights, really good, you know. I just you know this one not so much, but you know maybe he's starting out, maybe he's just getting the feel, just trying to figure it out, you know. And I think that's part of it. He he, you see the, the genesis. You see building blocks. And I think if I do do, if I do get around to a Mel Brooks retrospective, which I don't know, I think I need, I think I need to catch up on a little bit of sleep, and I don't even know how I'm going to be feeling after tomorrow. Wake up, read the news, and see just how fucked people are. I I may not be up for it, honestly, but. Yeah, I don't know. It um it was a good movie. It is definitely a buddy comedy in a way. Maybe the well, I don't know if it's a prototypical buddy comedy because there's shit like goofball Abbott and Costello things and you know. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a good movie though. It just it took me a while. It it's not breaking ground on anything other than maybe Mel Brooks. It is Mel Brooks breaking ground on on Mel Mel Brooks, but it's definitely got laughs. That's for sure. It just is of a certain age, and it lives in that age. It occupies that space very aggressively. It is it does not update terribly well at all, especially since we're. You know, post-Soviet Union, that's kind of the bigger thing. I think that that was more poignant during the Cold War because that was that was something that one, you know, people who were alive lived through. People who were alive lived through the revolution. And two, it was a real specter over everyone living in the U.S. at the time. The Cold War was a really, a really weird time for America. And I didn't really become aware of it until the, the tail end of it, just due to my age. But for older folks who I've spoken to, you know, I've heard that people were doing atomic bomb drills in school where they would be told, you know, here's the bell, so it's an atomic bomb, hide under your desk. And 
having that that doom, that looming specter of nuclear war and all that is definitely going to have an effect on people. And I think we're, we're really seeing the effect of kids who grew up in the Cold War now as they are, quote unquote, boomers, right? But definitely a lot of old folks making a lot of fucked up decisions on certain things. But then imagine the disenfranchisement of the people who fled and the people whose families were pushed out and things like that. And this may be a little bit of a, a reaction to that because Vorobyaninov was of a very rich and wealthy, like extravagantly wealthy count or some shit or duke. And he's kind of just poor like everybody else in the beginning of the movie. And he's, he's on that paper chase, you know? So it's almost like an American dream in Russia kind of deal. But maybe that's just like projecting, you know, 4K on a, on a laundry line. Like it's a bad projection is what I mean. But I just, it, it could be more poignant because of the time period. And I, I'm not going to say it's locked in that time period, but if you don't know shit about the Cold War, about the Soviet Union or anything, you're going to be fucking grade A 110% lost. I know a little bit about it because I just, you know, that part of history was interesting to me in terms of relations, international relations and spy movies and, and fucking Robert Ludlum books and, and things like that. Like you pick these things up just being in the world and reading the stupid bullshit that I do and watching my stupid bullshit movies and so on and so forth. But some fucking kid nowadays is like, I want to go to film school. I'm going to fucking watch The Twelve Chairs and I'm going to study Mel Brooks. They might be like, fuck film. So you you need to be kind of dedicated for this one. I think it's not a general view. I think that the more recent movies are much easier. Spaceballs probably being the easiest if anyone knows shit about Star Wars at all. That's an easy one to get in. You'd be like, oh, that's like Star Wars. So that's that. 12 Chairs, good movie, starts out bad, but maybe I started out bad. I know I started out bad. But good movie. Good movie. Thanks, Mel Brooks. Thank you. We're almost done. We're going to Young Frankenstein next. I am excited. I am excited because I haven't seen Young Frankenstein in a very long time as well. And I want to see it again. I want to like see the jokes that I didn't get and really try to, to reframe it with the life experience that I have now. But I'm, I have every confidence that it's great. I love Gene Wilder's uh, Frankenstein and, and Marty Feldman's Igor. I'm just thinking about it now and I'm smiling. I was very dour, very sad a little while ago, but you know, thinking about those guys, I'm, I'm smiling. But now I'm sad again. Because I know that that'll be tomorrow and between now and then, so many things will happen. So take it easy, everybody. Just, you know, be nice. Wear a mask. Black Lives Matter, don't don't just walk out on the fucking street with guns and try to shoot people. That's not that's not helpful at all in any way for anyone whatsoever. Why? I just I don't know. I'm out. I'm out. I can't. Yeah, I don't know. Just be nice. Wear a mask. Black Lives Matter. <laughs>